Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Thank you, man. I love you too, man. Yeah, thanks for clapping. I, I, I thought mom and dad were going to get cheers and I was going to get crickets, but that's okay. It's okay. I'm home. I'm home. I, this is a happy place. Gosh, I need a happy place tonight, y'all. Y'all, y'all, that's a Texas term. Before I get into this, like, how many of you think this is a good guy too, right? Mel? And a, and a good, and he married, he married a good gal. Gal, gal is Texas as well. Gal is Texan for woman of God, a great woman of God. But they're great friends, and, and it's such a pleasure to, to be with you today. I, I do, I think this is the happiest place in Pennsylvania I'll try this side over here. I, I just, I think this is the happiest place in Pennsylvania. I, I've only actually been to, like, in the last two weeks, I've been to three places in Pennsylvania. Been to Philadelphia, that was not a happy place. And then I spent a long time in the airport today, that was not a happy place. And then I stopped at uh, Sheets, I'm gonna make sure I say that right. Sheets, that was not a happy place. So it wasn't. There was a big old long line, and, and it just, like, no, nobody was happy. So I'm glad to be here because this is the happiest place in Pennsylvania. Um, I, um, I have a message that I want to share with you, and I didn't know when I was going to sh- I chose this message to share with you, like, a couple of days ago, and I didn't know that today the Lord was going to actually give me an illustration, um, like, a life illustration for the sermon I was going to share it with you. So I'm going to tell you the story first and then give you the title of the message. Okay, here's the story. So I was supposed to meet this afternoon at 2 o'clock with your staff, and occasionally I get to hang out with those guys and learn from them, and they, they learn some things from us. And so I was supposed to be here by 2 o'clock, but I had a meeting last night that was going to be late. So in order to get here by 2 o'clock today, I had to catch a flight. I had to, I had to set my alarm for 2.30 a.m. to catch my flight, which left at 5 a.m., which was then going to go to Chicago. Between Dallas and Chicago, I, uh, I, never, I never, do you guys do this? I never put it on airplane mode. Do you? I, that's, you do? I don't. I'm sorry. We have airline pilots here. I'm sorry. I don't. I just don't. I don't know why. But this time I did. This time I put it on airplane mode. But I, I was doing some work on my phone, and for some reason, after I, I just put it in my pocket, and then about 15 minutes, I thought of something else, and I went to my phone, and I couldn't find my phone. This is between Dallas and Chicago. I couldn't find my phone. And I, I have this little pen that um, is so cool because it's got a little flashlight on it right here and it was dark because it's five o'clock in the morning I mean it's dark there's no sun out and everything and I mean I'm looking and looking and looking for this phone I I kid you not I looked for this phone for 20 minutes I got my light out I mean you know people don't like it when you go around looking under their feet to see to see for where your phone is they don't like that at all and and so and so finally I you know I did find my phone it it was it had fallen down in a crack where the where the um, you don't care where I found it but anyway so I finally found my phone and we landed in Chicago everything was fine it was really good and then uh got on the next plane to come to Pittsburgh and and we were headed down the runway I mean on time flight I'm so happy on time flight happy (laughs) on time flight and just as we get, he, accel- he pushes it down, accelerates, and then he just pulls up. 
He's like, we're going to have to abort. And so he circles around. He circles around. And he says, well, it was just a malfunctioning system, but everything's fine. We ran it through. And so we came back around again. Second time, he pushes the, just not pedal to the metal if it's an airplane, so a throttle to the whatever. So he pushes it. He pushes it down. Here we go. And then just before the wheels lift up, he shuts it down again. And I'm like, that's two times. Now, this time, we know we're, so we go. And you know what this is like, right? We got to go. And then we're going to have a decision in an hour and a half what we're going to do. And then we have to get a new plane. And then we have to load on and, and, and everything like that. And um, I didn't get to meet with your, your staff today. Uh, I'm driving. So then once we finally get here, I finally get here uh, in Pittsburgh. In, and then I'm going to drive. And somebody's car is on fire on the interstate. Between, so we sit on the highway for a few minutes and pray for those guys. So um, the title of my message is "How to Survive a Storm," because <laughs> it's it's been a, it's been one of those days. You ever have one of those days? Yeah. No, because <laughs> it's such a happy place. I know. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so there's a, there's a paratrooper and he was training how to jump out of the airplane, and he received the instruction. And, and um, the, 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 the trainer said, what you do is you jump out of the plane, you count to 10, and you, and you pull the ripcord. If, perchance, the parachute fails to open, then you pull the ripcord on the front pack, and it, it will open the auxiliary chute. Everything will be fine. You'll float to safety, and a, and a truck will pick you up. So the private did what he was told. He, he, he jumped, he counted to 10, he pulled the ripcord. No parachute, nothing happened. So he pulled the auxiliary chute, and nothing came out of that one either. And on the way down, he said, you know, that truck probably won't be there to pick me up either. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes life doesn't go the way you want it to go, Right? Sometimes life just doesn't go the way you want to go. I want to read you a story out of the Bible. Do you like the Bible? I want to read you a story. Actually, not, not the whole story. Just, I just want to read you a, a paragraph, but the story is in the entire chapter of, hi, guys, how are y'all? You doing okay? You doing good? Good, good. Um, the whole story is in Acts. It takes a whole chapter and a half, but I'm just going to read you one little portion out of Acts chapter 27, verse 21. It's about a, a believer that's in a storm. It says, after the men... After the men had gone a long time without food. I'm picking it up right in the middle, just for brevity's sake. Right in the middle of the story. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and this loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am, an angel of God, an angel of the God, whose I am, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. I have faith in God. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we, we're going to run aground on, um, on some island. Nevertheless, we're going to run aground on some island. Um, 
Our text is about a believer in a storm, and what I know about storms is basically this. Everyone gets them from time to time, but not everyone survives them. Everyone gets storms, but not everyone survives them. I think there are some categories of storms that we could talk about. Um, I feel like there are storms that we actually need. Uh, Jonah was headed in the wrong direction. He needed a good storm to get him going where he's supposed to go. So there's those kinds of storms. I think there are storms that maybe, maybe demons create storms. Uh, um, I think the storm where, where Jesus was sleeping in the boat and, and the disciples almost died, the, the language that Jesus uses to calm that storm is the same language he uses to cast out demons. So maybe some storms are demon are demon. Originated, but I really believe that a lot of the storms that we encounter, I mean, maybe I'm talking to myself here, a lot of our storms are self-induced storms, self-created storms. I mean, when you wake up in the morning and go, oh, what a terrible day this is going to be. I mean, you're just, you, your words are creating your world, right? So, oh, I'm so worried about what's going to happen. Well, you're creating a storm. You know, I, I, I preached a, last week at, a, at Christ for the Nations, a, a, a college in our area. I preached it, and I was doing a seminar there, and, and they were having, they were having um, finals, and everybody was in a stormy mood. They're like, oh, no, oh, no, we got to study. We, gotta, we can't, there's so much pressure in such a storm. Of course, they had known that they were going to have those finals for about six weeks, but it's the day before. So they're in storm crisis because their approach to life, how many of you know if you spend more money than you make, you're probably going to create a storm? Sometimes it's just your approach to life that, you know, sometimes you are feeding your spirit. I don't know what kind of news channel you watch, but if you, the talk radio, the news channel, I mean, if I watch too much of that, it puts a storm in my soul. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what, so a lot of our storms are, are, are self-induced. Everyone gets a storm. If you, if you haven't had one yet, it's just because you're young. That's the only reason. Everyone gets a storm, but not everyone survives a storm. And I want to equip you tonight. If you're in a storm, I want to help you get out. But if you're not in one, I want to prepare you for the next one that's coming along. Because this is how to survive a storm. Let me just tell the story a, a little broader. Because this story is very interesting. It's notable for its details. Um, it's unusual that the Bible would give all this information. But I guess it's just because it, it's true. It actually happened. Uh, there were 276 people on the boat. Um, the boat was 140, all this is in the Bible, 140 foot long. It was 36 feet wide. It, it was a, had a 33 foot draft. Again, this is just right there. It's information you can read about in, in Acts. The captain's name was Julius. I don't know how to preach that. It's just there. It doesn't mean it. It's just that was his name, Julius. The storm's name was Eurachlodon. How many of you know if a storm has a name, it's a big storm? Uh, this guy's got a name, Eurachlodon. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but that's the way we'll say it the rest of the night. Eurachlodon was the name of the, of the storm. Now, Paul has been arrested with a pretty complex legal case. He was arrested by religious people, but because he's a Roman citizen, he gets the right to appeal to Caesar. And so even though, even though he was arrested by religion, they could do that in that day. Religious people could arrest you for breaking the law. So they the religious leaders arrested him, but Paul was a Roman citizen, so 
he appealed to go to Caesar and have his case, uh, you know, kind of before the Supreme Court. And, and so uh, he wins the right to be heard by Caesar. Now he's got to take a trip to Rome. Now, any time of year, a trip to Rome on a boat is a, is a risky endeavor, but this time of year, it's, it's just flat dangerous. To take a trip to Rome in a boat this time of year is just dangerous. But, you know, nevertheless, the Roman centurion who was responsible for the prisoners hires Captain Julius to transport the prisoners to Rome. And they begin the first leg of the journey, and everything seems fine. That The Bible reports that, that they sail around eastern Turkey, and they come to a place called Safe Haven. Okay. And that's where... The music begins, da, da, da. You know, that's where the drama begins. Um, Paul knows a little bit about sailing, actually. Even though he's a preacher, he knows a little bit about sailing. He's been in not one, not two, but three shipwrecks already before this one. And, and so he's had some experience with storms and such as that. And Paul experiences a, a premonition. Um, I don't know if the Holy Spirit showed him that or he just looked at the weather app. I don't know. I don't know how he knew. But there, a storm, is, is he anticipates there's going to be some trouble. And he asks the captain, would you delay the ship? He, he, wants, he wants everyone to, to wait for a better weather forecast. But, I mean, who's going to listen to a prisoner, right? Nobody's going to listen to a prisoner. And the Bible reports that actually four things preceded the storm. Four things happened before they found their way into the storm. Number one, they grew impatient. They were like, no, we got to do this now. They grew impatient. Number two, they voted on it. Now, I'll just tell you, I don't know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but any time in the Bible that believers voted on anything, it turned out bad. I don't, know, I don't know how important it is for you to vote on things, but I don't even know what that means about the, the, the current state of American politics, but I'm just telling you, when people voted, it turned out bad in, in the Bible. Uh, number three, circumstances misled them. Um, it says that the sailors tested the wind, and it seemed favorable. It seemed calm. And then the fourth thing that we noticed that preceded the storm was they all wanted, they all, the sailors wanted to winter in Phoenix because Phoenix is where the golf courses are. See? I mean, they wanted the ease. They wanted the pleasure. That's where, that's where they wanted to settle in for, for the winter. Well, all these things happen, and the hurricane comes. The hurricane, and the boat is breaking apart. And so, again, all this is in the Bible. They tie, their, they, they tie the boat with ropes around the, around the hull. They try to keep the hull together. They throw, start throwing out the cargo. They take down the sails so that the wind won't blow the ship across the ocean. They, they uh, you know, everything they know to do, but there's nothing they can do. You know, let me just pause here. That's the nature of Eurachlodon. That's the nature of big-time storm. Again, I'm not talking about a little, little storm that you can handle. I'm talking about something that, you know, sometimes you can just tighten your belt. Sometimes you can, you know, work a little overtime. Sometimes you can adjust your budget. At least you have a job. But sometimes, have you been there? Sometimes 
Something comes along in life, and there's just nothing you can do. There's just nothing you can do. I had a phone call from my, my friend just a moment ago, just before I came out. Um, he has a beautiful 29-year-old daughter. He has, she has, uh, for five years, she's been battling a, a big tumor just at the base of her brain. And for a couple of years, it was not growing, but it started growing again. And there's just nothing they can do. <laughs> That's a storm. Have another friend, you know, for 22 years, he was the manager of a, of a very profitable bookstore there in my town in Cedar Hill. Last week, he got the notice from corporate headquarters that they're closing all the stores all over the nation. And after 22 years, he's like, what am I going to do? There's nothing he can do. It's a storm. Well, they started throwing things overboard. They started throwing things overboard, which, which tells me they were prioritizing people over their profits. And that's another thing that a storm does. You see, a really good storm helps us decide what's important and what's precious. So they're throwing stuff over, trying to save the people, but they don't. It gets worse. And, and now I'm going to read from the Bible. It gets worse. 27:19 Acts 27:19 says now when I'm reading from the King James version cuz it's really dramatic in the King James version and I don't know if you even know what the King James version is these days but <clears throat> I like the way it sounds now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us all hope that we would be saved was finally given up I'm glad this is a happy place because I just made you sad, right? All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. I wish I wish I had come with a message just to prophesy over you and tell you that you were going to receive a great new anointing and that the power of God was going to be on you and all these good things. But actually, I'm coming to prophesy over you and say, if you haven't been in a good storm yet, there's one coming. <laughs> I'm helping you, right? It's like, Mel, why did you bring this guy back? I don't know. Um, yeah, finally God spoke. This is in the story too. Finally, God spoke. Here's what God said. Well, let me read it. After a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, men, you should have taken my advice. You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and this loss, but now I urge you, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar, and God has given you the lives of everyone who is with you, everyone who's sailing with you. All right, so here are the lessons. If you find yourself in a storm, there are four lessons. Ready? Four lessons how to survive the storm. Number one, if you find yourself in a storm, do you take notes here or do you just have brilliant memory? You can just remember it all, right? All right. Four, four things if you find yourself in a storm. Number one, if you're in a storm, stay near the people who can hear from God. Hang around people who get visits from angels. Um, don't be the most spiritual person in the room. All right? If you find yourself in a storm, find somebody that knows God. 
Number two, if you find yourself in a storm, stay in the boat. Verse 28 says that, uh, explains that the sailors knew they were in big trouble and they started trying to escape. They had a plan to escape. They, they pretended like they were throwing over the anchors, but what they were actually doing is lowering the lifeboat. Paul heard about it, and he said in verse 31, unless all the men stay in the ship, you're not going to be saved. I think I came all the way from Dallas to tell somebody tonight not to jump ship. Um, I... I I'm going to say this, and I hope you know me well enough now, some of you, that I'm, this is not arrogance. This is just gratitude. I really believe that I pastor one of the greatest churches in America right now. But can I tell you, the joy that I have now pastoring this great church was almost lost twice. twice. There were two times when I just almost jumped ship. And in both instances, my nearness to jumping ship was because someone I cared about jumped ship. They left. They wouldn't stay. And because they didn't stay, it so disheartened me that I didn't want to stay. I don't know if any of you can relate to anything like this, but I, I really do believe that I've come tonight to tell someone, stay in the boat, stay in your faith, stay in the fight, stay in the promise, stay in the dream, stay in the destiny, stay in the grace, stay. If you find yourself in a storm, stay in the boat. Number three, because some promises only come after you've stayed a while. I'll tell you about that one sometime. Number three, if you find yourself in a storm, eat some food. <laughs> Verse 34, Paul says, take some nourishment for your survival. Because, dear church, when you're weary, you are vulnerable. When you're discouraged, you are more susceptible to bad decisions than you can imagine. And the Bible says in verse 36 that when they ate, they were all, in, they, they were all encouraged after they ate some ice cream. You know? <laughs> it doesn't say they ate ice cream. That's a version that you don't have, but it... They were all, they ate, and they, they were encouraged. Can I, just, can I just say sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do as a church is just have a, have a good meal with somebody? I mean, it's one of the most spiritual things you can do is just go have, just come to an Easter egg stuffing party. It's the most, I'm telling you, it's the best thing you could ever do. Because listen, I know, I'm an old guy, I've got some, I know these things. It is possible to have angelic visits come into your midst, but because you're so weary, because you're so discouraged, you miss the impartation that came right out of heaven, but you didn't have anything to eat, so you're missing what God is trying to show you today. There has to be, there has to be a context for the supernatural, and the context is, 
You have, you have to guard your heart. You have to take care of yourself. That, that's great preaching, Pastor. Thank you for that. <laughs> number four, if you ever find yourself in a storm. What was number one? Stay near the people who get visits from angels. Number two, stay in a boat. Number three, eat some food. Number four, put out some anchors. Verse 29 says, uh, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they, and they prayed for daylight. They dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. So I see when you realize that you're in a storm and it finally dawns on you, oh my goodness, this is Eurachladon. You need to have some anchors. You better have something you can bind your soul to. You better have something that can fasten you in. I didn't even tell you that like from today on the flight from um, what was that city? Chicago to Pittsburgh. We, how many of you know it was windy today? <laughs> and we were just bouncing along. This is an American Eagle flight. They're not real planes. They're just like. <laughs> we're just bouncing along. The poor stewardess is trying to serve, you know, ginger ale. And, and, and we, it, it is one of the roughest you know when they tell you keep your seatbelt on when you're seated because there might be an unexpected turbulence that happened today? Whoom! And the, and, the, and the stewardess fell on the ground with all her drinks. Her drinks, everybody that had a drink, if I smell a little bit like alcohol tonight, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to... Say, when the storm comes, you better be fastened in. Yeah. And these guys, these guys put out four anchors. Can, now, the rest of the time that I have, which is about eight minutes, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that I have some anchors. I'm just going to tell you what they are. They may not be yours. Because the point of my being here tonight is to ask you to find your anchors. You need to know what they are. Before I pastored a church in Dallas, I pastored a church in St. Petersburg, Florida, and that was not a happy place either. Um, after I'd been there about, about six or seven years, there was an infiltration of our church of the of the occult, a number of witches came into our, they came into our church. They, I know that they were coming into our church because on Monday mornings when I would come to unlock the church, um, there, would be, there would be dead animals that were cut in pieces, nailed to various places, and, and they would write in blood something that I had said from the sermon the previous morning. And, and then they began to write letters to our elders threatening our children that our children were going to be used in satanic ritual and my and my daughter they threatened they called her my name and said we're going to we're going to do this and this and this to your daughter and the elders um, they lowered the they lowered the lifeboat and vacated they left i was all my elders left and 
I'm telling you this story because this is when I found my anchors. The rest of that story doesn't have anything to do with the rest of this story, but I I don't want to leave you hanging. Let me tell you how how it ended. A really old, have you heard this story before? No? A really old intercessor came to me one day. This had gone on for maybe four or five weeks. I mean, we had detectives. We had, it was, it was crazy. A really old intercessor came to me one day and says, Brother Jim, today's the day. The Lord has showed us that we're going we're gonna to pray until the wicked witch is dead. We're going to pray until the witch. He says, the Lord has shown me that there's a lake back in the back of the property. That's where the witches are, are gathering. It's the coven. What we're going to do is he gathered up about eight, eight old intercessors. Old is not disrespect. I mean, they just, they were experienced. So we went back. He says, I want you to cut down a tree. I had a hatchet. I chopped down a tree. Cut down the tree. Throw the tree into the, into the lake like Elisha did to turn the bitter water. And, and it broke the power. of Those guys just disappeared. They just went away. So that's how that story ended. And I, and I moved to Dallas as soon as possible. <laughs> Here are my anchors. I'll offer them to you. You, you. you can use these too if you want. Number one, if you're in a storm and you need an anchor, anchor number one, believe in God. Verse 25, take heart, men, for I believe God. I believe God. How many of you know there's a difference between talking about God and studying about God and having God on your bumper sticker and believing in God? Do you believe in God? I mean, I, I went to visit my son Ross in Philadelphia. He's at, he has, I think... I think he has eight roommates now in this huge 150-year-old house. Um, and he's always got a new roommate. So I met his new roommate. And he, uh, he was, when he found out I was, I'm, I'm everything he hates. I'm everything they hate in Philadelphia. I'm a mega church of a pastor in Texas. They don't like me. But, but Ross likes me. He's my son. So, so we're talking, and he finds out that I'm a pastor of a church and he says, yeah, my dad used to be a pastor. And then he says, and I used to be a person of faith. And I hate to do this because Ross hates it when I do this, but I was like, what you meant to say was you changed your faith. He's like, no, no, no. Everybody's a person of faith. You just choose not to have faith in God. Okay, do you like the Bible? Okay, let me just read this to you. I don't know that I'm going to make this by 815. Can I just go to 820? How about with y'all? Y'all okay with that? So, so Je- Jeremiah 17, listen to this, just listen to this. This is the Bible. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who believes in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He'll be like a bush in the wastelands. That's like a tumbleweed in Amarillo, if you know what that means. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That's the same word. You either trust in man or you trust in the Lord. You either believe in your own strength, in your own flesh, or you believe in God. I'm just saying, well, let me finish it. (laughs) But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted in the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. 
Come on, somebody. Trust in man. Find yourself in a storm. You're gonna, you, you have faith. You're going to believe something. Either believe in yourself or believe in God. I'm asking you to put over anchor number one. Be- believe. Believe God. You know, when Jesus was in trouble, when he knew he was going to face, every time he was in trouble, he would go and find a place to pray, and he would just begin his prayer the way he taught us to pray. He would say, Father. One time he just said, Abba, Father. And, and listen, I love getting to the part of the prayer that says, give me this day my daily bread. And I love getting to the part that says, deliver me from evil and don't leave me into t- I love that. But I'm just telling you, lately, the last few days, I've never gotten just past Father. Just Father. Because the level to which you know that this great God of creation is your Father, to that level, you can face anything. I know, I know some of you, you know, aren't really connecting to that because you don't have a reference for a good, good father. We sang good, good father. You don't really have, um, yeah, yeah, good, good king. I don't, we sang something a few minutes ago. It was really good. I liked it. Um, <laughs> some of you got abusive fathers and you got fathers that didn't treat you well or no father at all. 63 times in the Bible, it says that God is, God is your father and Listen, I, again, I feel like I want to press this for somebody specifically. Maybe, maybe your parents didn't plan to have you, but I'm telling you, your father has always planned for you. He has always planned for you. And to the degree that your heart knows that you have a father who loves you, you, you can handle any storm. Believe God. Number two, anchor. Believe in the church. Believe in the church. Paul's in the storm because religious leaders didn't like what he was preaching. Um, Can I be, like, candid with you? If you hang out with religious people, you're going to be in more storms than when you don't hang out with religious people. I, I don't, I was raised in church, and I know that, you know, I hang out with college kids a lot, and I know that there's a lot of, you know, bad press for the church these days, but I know that you've probably been violated by the church. You've been hurt by the church. Somebody did something wrong. I know the church is filled with hypocrites. I promise, put all your disappointments with the church together. I, I will win the contest. I have had more disappointment with the church than all you guys put together. I don't know that that's true, but it feels that way. I know what it is. I have, seen the, I have seen the bad and the ugly when it comes to the church. I have seen moral failure. I have seen the hypocrisy. You know, I, I, listen, on the day of my wedding, the worship pastor who was supposed to sing in my wedding discovered his wife in a hotel room with the head deacon of our church. I know, I know what it is to be disappointed with the church. And so for a long time, I would go around saying, Jesus, I love you, but I, I don't want anything to do with your church. Jesus, I'll hang out with you, but don't ask me to hang out with, with, with your church. And then I got to thinking about it. What, what if after I get done here tonight, what, in the next hour or so, what if, what if um, I'm just kidding, you didn't even laugh at that, man. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what if after I get done, you come and you say, Jim, I liked your words, but your body, I can't, I can't stand looking at that body. That's a horrible body for me to have to, have to look at while I'm listening to you. I'm just like, it's the only body I got. <laughs> or how about this? This is even better. I don't know if you know my wife, Beck. I don't know if you know her or not, but she's, she's hot. She's amazing. She's just, but what if, what if like, what if like you say, Jim, 
you're, you know, you're okay, but that wife of yours, I can't, I can't stand her. I've got nothing to do with her. And I would probably say something like, yeah, let's talk about it outside. <laughs> and, yet, and yet that's what we say to Jesus. Jesus, I want you, but I don't want anything to do with your body. I don't want anything to do with your bride. Mature believers understand that when you love Jesus, you love the things that Jesus loves, and Jesus loves his church. The Bible says that the church is the only institution in the earth, that when we are fitly framed together, we are the, ho- we are the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. We house the glory of God. Oh, come on, guys, believe in the church. Believe in the church. Jesus loves the church. The church is the only message of hope by which a heart can change trajectory. The, 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 number two. Believe in the church. Number three, this is an anchor for me. I, I don't know if you, it's, it's a little awkward. Believe in yourself. Paul stood in the midst of them and said, you should have listened to me. Um, I played baseball for a long time, and, and when I first started playing baseball, I always prayed when I played baseball, but I used to pray. Lord, please don't let him hit it to me. <laughs> Especially in a critical situation because it'll go right through my legs. Or I used to pray, Lord, don't let me get up to bat when there's a man on third base and, and the game's on the line because I'll strike out. But after a while, I realized that I, I could hit the ball and I could catch the ball. And then my prayer changed. And I said, Lord, let him hit it to me. I know I'll catch it. Lord, let me get up to bat in a critical situation. I know I'll get a hit. And can I just speak over you today that it is not arrogant for you to recognize and awaken to your spiritual significance? (laughs) Come on. God has put inside you the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He has given you faith and anointing and divine nature and exceeding great and precious promises and everything you need to escape the corruption that is in the world and to fulfill his destiny. Of He could have put Abraham or Moses or Peter or John in this generation, but he put us here. We're the ones stewarding his glory now. It's not arrogant for you to... Listen, I think, I think when you read the Bible, you, you recognize that... You know, people are well rehearsed. They're well practiced in, in, in announcing our deficiencies. You talk about Gideon you, or Moses who stuttered, you, you know, or, or, or you can just go through the Bible. Everybody is just like, I can't. I, I'm not good enough to do that. And, and, and I just wish that there would be a church that would say, wait a minute, I'm spiritually significant. Hit it to me. And, and then... And then the fourth, the final, and this would be a good time for the band to come. Um, the fourth and final anchor of my soul, and, and I would recommend it to you, is uh, believing. What was, what was the first anchor? And what was the second? And the third? And the fourth? Believe in your friends. Believe in your friends. It's interesting how the centurion supported Paul. The centurion, the Roman centurion supported, the, the captain wanted to kill all the prisoners because, you know, that was his job to make sure he wanted to kill all the prisoners, but, but Julius intervened. And I guess there was just something likable about Paul that the Roman centurion ended up saying, no, let's listen to him and let's do, let's do what 
what he says. And I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty old now. I'm 60 years old. And one of the great regrets I have after all these years of ministry is that I, I did so much of my ministry w- without real friends. That's why it's so important for me to be here with Mel and Kim. I just, just didn't have partners. That, And it's not just for people in the ministry. Listen, the worst thing, the worst place you could ever be is in a storm alone. And, and I've come today to ask you to do whatever it takes to make yourself friendly enough that you can have some friends that will go with you through the through the storm. Uh, I think that's what I came to tell you. Did it help you? Yeah. Good. I I um I actually grew up on the coast, so I know a lot about anchors. And and just because you throw it out doesn't mean it's gonna help. Because if you throw it out and it goes through the sand, but if you throw it out and it finds a rock, on Christ the solid rock I stand, you know? Jesus is a rock. Uh, Let's stand together. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, I'm not sure if it was the first time we were headed down the runway or the second time. I felt the Holy Spirit make me aware that there would be people here tonight in storms. And I wish I could promise you that when we pray, the storm is going to go away. I don't, I'm going to, I'll pray that and maybe it will go away. But does anybody know how this story turns out? It turns out really good. I mean, the, they lose the boat. Or they land on an island. That's good. Paul gets bit by a snake. That's not good. But he shakes it off in the fire. That's good. And the chief, who thinks he's going to die because he got bit by a snake, sees that he doesn't die. And a hum- there's a tremendous activity of God on that island. I really feel the Holy Spirit right now. I feel his presence here. I feel authority to say to you, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through your storm. It's going to be good. But, 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 but you have a part here. You got to believe in God. You got you to believe in your friends. You got to believe in these anchors. Amen. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Who's here tonight that would be honest and courageous enough to say, you can pray for me, Pastor, because I'm going through a storm now. Eurachlodon, I'm going through a big storm. And and I really, I receive your prayer that God's going to get me through it. Yeah, yeah, hands are going up while I'm still talking. I'm still trying to get you to... I've tried to persuade you. I don't need to because you just, everybody's lifting their hands. Everybody's lifting their hands. Going through storms. Going through storms. I speak to you in the authority of God. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. But, but it's time to believe God. It's time to lock 
your life down in the tempest. How about this? One more, just one more response, then I'll pray. How many of you have been in the storm so long that you've almost lost hope? Maybe, maybe you have lost hope. Yeah, quite a few. Wow, wow. Listen, God is still on the throne <laughs> and, and therefore you have hope. There's so many, so many responses tonight to that. You know, I, I, last Sunday at our church, Bill Johnson was our guest speaker and he did something that was so profound. Rather than have people come forward and receive prayer from him, he stirred up the recognition in every believer that they had the divine nature, they had the anointing, they had a measure of faith, and they, and, and we begin to pray. He asked us to pray for the people near us who needed what we had. <laughs> and we just, we be so many more people than any other time in, in the history of our church got healed miraculously. It was amazing. And I hope that what you've heard tonight, part of what you've heard tonight is that there's some real good stuff inside you. There's divine stuff in you. There's faith and power and anointing. And I'm pretty sure someone real close to you raised their hand saying, I've almost reached the end. This storm has just about done me in. And so I want you, I just want you to take, doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be loud, doesn't have to use big words, but it has to come from your heart. I want you just to put your hand on the shoulder of the person who's near you, or maybe if you feel comfortable enough, take them by the hand. And I want you to pray for their storm for about 15 seconds. Would you do that? Would you just put your hand on their shoulder on their, and just pray for their storm? Maybe they're not in it right now, but they're going to be in it. Would you just pray for their storm? Father, I'm going to pray too, but I want you to pray. Would you do it? Just begin to pray, right? About 15, 20 seconds. Lord, we're praying over the storms. We're praying over the storms. <laughs> Lord, just because we're believers doesn't mean we don't face storms. But Lord, I thank you that we, we get to face storms in confidence. And Lord, it'd be nice if an angel shows up tonight and tells us what to do. But if that's not the case, we still believe God. Hallelujah. We've been told enough. We've been shown enough. We've, we understand enough about the Father's love that we just choose. We're going to believe. We are latching down our soul. We are, we are throwing over our anchor to the rock that will sustain us, to the rock that will hold us. Father, I pray for every person who is watching online and, and those who are in the campus now. I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place with confident assurance that you've got us, God. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I got this. I got this. I got this. Lord, I thank you that you've got us in the palm of your hand. You protect us. You provide. You are a good, good king, Father. We praise you even in the midst of the storm. We praise you and we thank you. You're going to get us through in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.